Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody feeling good? Everybody ready for a great Sunday? We got Citizen Kids checked in at both campuses, uh, online campus. You've given yourself a screen name. Hopefully you're able to interact. We have our coffee. Mine's getting too low. We might have to top this off before we get to the end of today. But if you have a Bible with you, how many love the Bible? You love the Bible? Go ahead, take out your Bible. Uh, We also have a Citizen Heights app that is great to download and have opened. Uh, Just because we have a lot of help in the calendar, we've got reminders, we've got resources, and one of those resources on Sundays, we have discussion notes uh, for our our time of teaching, so hopefully you'll get into that. Um, I say this almost every week now, but it bears repeating. If you're uh, a guest with us at Citizen Heights, we are instant family from our end, and uh, we can't wait to meet you, hear your story, hear what... God has done in you, and and uh, start the journey of what He's got for you together, and this really helps us. So sometimes you get an overload on a Sunday morning with all the events and the calendars and the and the activities. It's a very full church because family is family's full, right? And uh, so it's a full calendar. But if you ask me, like today, what would I do if I was uh, maybe just maybe newer at Citizen Heights for the last few weeks or few months, I would say fill out this card, give us a good email. That's the one thing I do. The second thing I would do is find a citizen group. And uh, because most most statistics tell you in church life that if you don't have a friend in your church, within eight weeks you leave. And uh, and I, I why would you stay? Because family is about relationship, and it's about having uh, the support and the network. You're you drawing on them, them drawing on you. And uh, so a lot of growth that we do in God happens in the context of relationships with one another. And so we would love to see you get in a citizen group. And we're, we just kicked off a new semester this past week, right? And so we've got some of the greatest uh, group leaders and some great uh, topics that they're hitting this this uh, next quarter. It's only six weeks, of this, the winter quarter, right? So it's quick, get to know some people, get into the family. Those are the two things I would do if I was just kind of getting to know Citizen Heights, and uh, hopefully that'll help you out. Do you have your Bibles? Do you have your app, Citizen Heights app? Go ahead and let's turn together to Proverbs 11, and uh, actually, let's not do Proverbs 11. Let's do Deuteronomy 15 and Matthew 6. Deuteronomy 15 and Matthew 6. Uh, We're in week four of a series called The Blessed Life, Learning to Let God Multiply. And uh, we we really believe the, the promise of blessing and the promise of multiplication is for you. And if you're not sure of that, if you're not convinced of that, I'd encourage you to go back to week one and week two and kind of watch some of that recap where we unpack what I think is a fairly basic presupposition, but a necessary one if you're going to build upon it. And uh, that presupposition is the promise of blessing and multiplication is for you. So learning to let God multiply, right, that's more than just subtracting my bad habits and your bad habits, 
right? Hello, church, are you here? I want to tell Dulles campus that you guys really amen big time this week. And because uh, th- they, they push hard over there, Dulles campus. You doing good over there, Dulles? You're amening right now, aren't you? We're going to amen even louder here at Tenley Town. <laughs> Loud, not angry. Not angry amens. No, no. It just came out that way. It wasn't anger from your end. It just, it was good volume. Right? God's multiplication is more than subtracting my bad habits. God's multiplication is more than adding some good habits. <laughs> Aren't you glad? It's the multiplication that only God can do when you're, when you're learning to live in his word and learning to live in his will and learning to live in his ways, you start to live in the blessing and multiplication, multiplication of God. And so we've been looking at uh, starting, we've been starting seven spiritual disciplines. I'll call them holy habits, right? Things that we can do where we're saying, God, your word says this? to value this, to do this, to practice this. Okay, if that's your word, then that's your will. So I'm going to start to walk in that way. And when you start to walk in the way of, of God's best for your life, the Bible is very clear. Blessing just comes. You can't run from it. You can't avoid it. You just live in it. And so when we discover these principles, we want to employ them Uh, Not just because they get you blessed, but they put you in obedience to God's best. You hear me? And that's where we want to live. So today, uh, we've talked about, we've talked about praying, we've talked about fasting, 21 days, way to go church. It's not something we do for 21 days, it's a, it's a lifestyle that we learn to do better for 21 days, so we can continue it for the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen. So we're a praying church. First Saturday of every month is we do first things first. It's the it's this prayer Saturday. We all assemble at 9 a.m. here and online, or is it just? Yeah, in person. Is it going to be online as well? No, we're pulling the plug. Sorry. You had to be there. Literally, you'll have to be there. Um, and so we've talked about praying, we talked about fasting, we talked about reading the Bible, and we talked about obeying the Bible. I know this sounds basic, but these are fundamental. And you never see a house builder go, let's just, let's, let's break ground, and let's just put the roof on. You never see a builder go, you know what, the windows are, like, that's the beautiful stuff, like windows and woodwork. Let's just, let's just do that. No, every builder knows you have to start with the foundation because the foundation is what holds it all stable and steady so nothing else shakes. And the foundation of your walk with God is the things that he's asked us to do in interaction with him so we get to know him, become more like him. And and in his presence, there's that great exchange, right? The Bible says we get to exchange our filthy rags of works and things that, you know, we just fall short. We set our goals. We try to do the right thing and we fall short. But it says we trade our filthy rags for his robes of righteousness. Like that is the exchange that happens when we're operating in the seven holy habits, right? The seven spiritual disciplines getting closer to God. So I gave you a minute to get to Deuteronomy 15. Do you have it? 
What, one last thing while you're getting there. You probably noticed on your seat today, for the next three weeks, we're going to be uh, handing these out. This is our Heart for the House commitment once a year. We have a Heart for the House offering that funds all of the above and beyond initiatives that we're going to talk about next week at Vision Day. So it's missions, it's outreach, it's, it's partnerships, it's improvements, it's new ground to take. Amen? And so take this with you. As we always say, pray, plan and prepare to give. And uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be equal giving, but it will be equal sacrifice because we believe in the vision God's given us. And it's a privilege to be a partner with the Holy Spirit in changing lives and impacting the world around us. So you've got that with you. Deuteronomy 15, let's lay a foundation. If there, team will put this up for you. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him wide and willingly and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. If he's got needs, you meet the needs, whatever he needs. Amen? Now let's go to Matthew six We'll lay this foundation. These are the words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? About once a year, I do a teaching on giving. I do a teaching on finances. I do a teaching on what God's word, wills, and ways talk about our, our time, talents, and treasures. And we talk about how to become more like Jesus in the generosity of our heart. And we just read in Matthew 6 that it's about the heart. Right? It says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now, now, when I think of generosity, can I just tell you, I, I think of my mom. And I think of a lot of you, by the way. I think of our church in general. Uh, but I think of my mom because my mom really taught me what it was to be generous. And she didn't teach me by telling me what to do. She taught me by showing me how to do it. And my mom is one of those people who, if she gets something, it, she doesn't have it long. She finds someone else to give it to. And uh, you might think, well, she must be a person of means. She must be a person of, you know, great ability to get wealth. And to, to... No, my mom will tell you, she is, she is always hustling. She is a hustler to get to the next thing, you know, the next, the next uh, to have the, the, the resources she wants. And it's not for her own end. It's for somebody else. And so I love my mom and, and her story is nothing uh, Nothing short of heroic. And what she endured as a child, what she overcame, um, is just amazing to me. She's, even right now, in her 70s, early 70s, but still the 70s, uh, she's, helping a, a new, uh, she's helping a church that we grew up in plant a new church in a new city. In her 70s, she drives almost an hour one way to go to the new campus. She's the first one there. She sets up chairs, early 70s, sets up chairs, goes around and prays for all the chairs. She's the last one to leave. I mean, her, her generosity of spirit is, is epic. I was there a few weeks ago. Not only she's the first one there, she's one of the last ones to leave. Like, it, it still hasn't changed. I, I grew up like that as a kid. Mom, let's go. Mom, the pastor has left. We are still here. This is the standard when you know, like, we can leave. Nope. There was somebody else to talk to. There was another bag of trash to take out. There was someone else that needed something. She was, that's just my mom. 
and she uh, she just recently finished her her first book, detailing at, at over seventy years old she she wrote a book, and removing every excuse I have for not accomplishing anything with my life, <laughs> uh, and in this book. Honestly, it's, it's hard for me to read some of this book uh, as it recounts not a lot of the details, but some of the summaries of her story. Uh, her story was filled with uh, abuse as a child, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, including ceremonial, like, occult abuse. And she, just, she lived a life so battered and broken. And as a result of that, she, her testimony was and is walking out of the the gripping fear that held her. And so that's her book. Her book is really like a prayer journal, just like walking through the steps to walk into wholeness, to walk into restoration, to walk out of some of that stuff. And uh, so her her story is really an amazing story of healing and restoration. And she always always talks about me like she's so proud. And you can tell that I'm her favorite. Uh, Not true. Um, but, But the truth is she's my hero. Like, I, I, know, I know what she's walked out of. I mean, I know she's watching today. She, she'd laugh at this story I'm about to tell. Um, because when I, I turned 17, all my friends thought it would be funny to get me a gift that would terrify me. And uh, they bought me a gift. Um, Heather, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember? They bought me a tarantula. And um, not because I asked for it and not because I thought they were interesting. I, I'm, I have a legitimate fear of spiders. I don't know how it happened. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but spiders are the exception. They're just so creepy. And they, they thought it would be funny to get me a tarantula, and so I was scared of it, but my mom was terrified of it. She was so terrified of it, so, so much so that neither of us wanted the, where the spider stayed to be near where we slept. So we ended up putting it on the other corner of the house from where we slept. It was in the farthest point away from us, um, and each morning, uh, my, my mom was convinced that it had escaped the night before. So she'd wake up in the morning, and this is no lie, she would get out of bed, and she wouldn't put her toes down. She would look and scan the floor. Then she'd put a couple toes down, scan a little bit more. And she would tiptoe through the house, examining and evaluating each footstep until she got to the, the room to verify, uh, you know, it had been contained. <laughs> it didn't get out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's no way to live. And finally, I said, Mom, it's scaring you. It's scaring me. This has got to go. And uh, we gave it to a pet store. You know, but there are things in life, you know, how we live, there's certain topics that we tiptoe around. There's certain topics that we have so much uncertainty. From. Maybe it's apprehension, and maybe it's just anxiety and uncertainty. And, and sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it's just an unwillingness to engage the topic because we're afraid to find out what God says about it. Maybe just me, but some of us do that. And, and you know, you're praying and you're hoping, but not really sure. That's no way to live. But then there are things that we have no doubt about. Like, it, there's, there's no doubt. Gi- giving is a topic where God leaves no doubt. You know, we've looked at... Fasting. We've looked at praying. We've looked at reading the Bible and obeying the Bible. I want to talk about giving, and and again, I do this about once a year. But I I feel like this is one of those topics that we tiptoe around, and we shouldn't tiptoe around it. God is not shy when it comes to talking about our treasures. Did you know that? 
So we shouldn't be either. We should be honest about it. We can know God's thoughts on how we give. We can know what he thinks about it. So money, possessions, finances, all those things. You know, it's discussed over 800 times in the Bible. 800 times. It's the second most talked about topic in the Bible. And so, uh, of course, you know, of course there's a reason for that. And we see the reason in our text today. We just read it, Matthew 6. We'll put it back up on the screen for you to see. Verse 21. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Where your treasure is, your heart goes there. What do you think God wants from you? Do you think God wants dollars and cents? God knows, and God is, let's just be, let's be clear about it. God is after your heart. That's what he's after. And your heart is connected to your resources. Your heart is connected to your stuff. Your heart is connected to your money and your, in, around here, especially your time, especially your talents, right? And Jesus said this. He said, your, your heart will follow your treasure. So if you put money in an, in an investment, right? If you buy a stock, you track it, don't you? Anybody? Yeah, you check it. it maybe every morning, maybe every morning and night, maybe once a week, but you're checking that. Uh, I remember I bought uh, a stock when I was in college for a Canadian diamond mine that one of my buddies was was counsel for, uh, and he, he was like, "Dude, you should." I don't know if this was I, I don't know if this was inside or or outside, but he he was like, "This is a this Canadian mine. It's it's found all this kimberlite. I, I didn't know what kimberlite was." He's talking about ground penetrating radar and all this stuff, and so I was like, "All right, I'm in." So I bought a bunch of stock in a diamond mine in Canada. And guess what I read about constantly for the next month? Kimberlite. Like, how does this work? How do they, you know, how, how, do this, how, how does this process go? And how are they going to refine it? And I, I started to care because I put some of my money into it. If you put money in a stock, you follow it. You know, I think what is pretty funny is when you put money into a university... It's, it's funny the connection that happens between you and that university for the rest of your life. It's like, you would think that if you pay a quarter of a million dollars for four years in a piece of paper, that you would get a hoodie. But we go out and we buy the hoodie. And we cheer for their teams. You know what I'm saying? And we get the frame around our license plate that says, you know, so-and-so university alum. It's like... Why are we so tied to that thing? Well, you put four years, that's time. You put all that money, that's treasure. And you put your destiny, that's your talent. All of a sudden, you're tied to it. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's, that's how we work. And Jesus said, this is how you work. Your heart follows your treasure. So if, because I want your heart invested in, in kingdom economics, there's an opportunity to tie you to kingdom economics, and it's through generosity. So if you want your heart in the kingdom uh, economy of multiplication, come on, say multiplication. You, you need to know what God says about developing a heart of generosity. So let's hit these very quickly. I want to give you four things, maybe three, four things. Yeah, we'll do four things. To develop a heart to give that is eager to give, all right? So the first one is this. Number one, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Now, don't take that as an accusation. I'm far too nice to levy that against you today. Uh, but we know our own hearts. 
And God knows our hearts. So there's really no reason to pretend that humanity has a hard time letting go of what is theirs or what they see as theirs. And so Deuteronomy 15, we, we read like this, this backdrop to it a few moments ago. If there is a, a, among you a poor man of your brethren, it says, you shall not harden your heart, but you will open your hand to him willingly. Remember that? So I want to go on to verse 9 in that same chapter, and let's establish this. Deal with a selfish heart. Verse 9 says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Now listen to this. It's, it's saying, open your hand willingly to the person in need, and if you're not doing that, then you're giving into this wicked thing that's in your heart. God knows our heart. The Bible says your heart is, you know, dis, uh, uh, is, is uh, desperately wicked. Who can know the heart? And I know academia would like us to believe the idea that man is basically good and essentially good and should we be able to educate him he will constantly evolve and and improve and get better and better and better but we all live in the real world and we know the educations that we receive are just teaching us how to deprive more how to war better how to how to want and, and and get for ourselves and so this idea it says a wicked thought in your heart saying now now let's get this verse nine the seventh year the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the lord against you and it becomes sin among you. So understand what it's saying. God implemented in the Old Testament economic system of his people, God instituted this thing called uh, the, the seventh year. All right? And in the seventh year, uh, all debts would be canceled. So that's just built into their economic system. In the seventh year, all your debts are wiped away. I see some of you are like, amen, amen, amen. Let's set up a theocracy. Let's get this going right now. Let's forgive some debts. Let me go buy a house quick, and then, let's, and then we'll do the debt forgiveness thing, right? Now, if, if you knew this principle, that in the seventh year, all the debts get wiped out, if you knew this principle, and now, Deuteronomy 15, your, your, your friend who's in need comes to you, and it's year six, what are you thinking? If, if you knew this principle, and, and everybody followed this principle, how much lending do you imagine would happen in year six? Probably not much. Probably not much. God said, don't let this wicked, selfish thought get inside your heart to start calculating what year it is to cancel the debt. He says, be generous. Generous means you're not calculating it because once you gave it, 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 it was so generously given that you don't hold it. Right? God says it's a selfish heart, and it would literally become sin for you to even think that way. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do you think God created or invented giving? Do you, do you, think, do you think he did it because he's short on cash, as, as Bono said? You know, do, you, do you think it's because he, he's really, really, like, it's a downturn. God's really in a tough place. No, God doesn't need our money. Right? He, he doesn't need the support for his work. So God didn't create giving for his sake. God created giving for our sake. You hear me? And I'm going to go a few minutes. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll summon the, the musicians when it's time. How's that? Because we're, yeah, summon them. <laughs> I know, I said it like it's a normal word to say. I don't talk like that around the house, I can assure you. Let us summon the help. 
<laughs> Frying pan. All right, but but I, I want to establish this because we're kind of in it, so you got to go line by line and get there, and then and then say, okay, we did it. All right, um, God didn't create it for His sake; He created it for our sake. Um, because God uh, God knows that giving more than any other activity that you can engage yourself in, um, or, or any other thing that we can do, it works selfishness and it works greed out of our lives. It works it out. It's almost like sauna. I'm so excited about saunas lately. Like, guys, listen, I go through Instagram. Most of my Instagram is like building and constructions and architect, but the rest is all the stuff that I used to think is healthy for me that you cannot, you can no longer eat and all the things that are new that you should be doing. And it's just, but sauna, I think we're all, we've built consensus sauna is healthy, right? Why? Because you're just all the toxins. It's just all the stuff getting to the surface and getting rid of it. And it's kind of like that refiner's fire that takes the gold and all of a sudden it starts to bring all the impurities to the surface and you take the dross off and you go there. That's a pure work. Why? Because you were willing to, to stay in the fire. And I think sometimes we escape the topic and we tiptoe around the topic of giving because we don't like the, the sense of, of those things being challenged in our life. But when greed and selfishness are challenged through giving, it's just imagine we're scooping off some of that stuff. Why, why do you tell a child to share? Is it because the neighbor kid really needed another toy? You know, you ever have your neighbor comes over and the kids are playing and one of the kids is dominant and like grabbing all the toys and, and you got to work out the share. So it's, like, it's not because we need like, oh, he's got to have that toy. It's true. No, they all have enough toys. It's, we're not trying to work another toy into another person. We're trying to work the greediness out of our own person. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's, that's why we do it. Giving deals with a selfish heart. Now, it, it does some other great things, but let's just establish that. Giving deals with a selfish heart. Let's get number two. De- giving deals with a grieving heart. Now, we're going to stay in Deuteronomy 15. We've, we've been working our way through it. Let's get to verse 10. He's talking about giving and grieving now. First, it was giving and selfishness of heart. Now, it's talking about a grieving heart. It says in verse 10, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. It's like, this is very practical. I like this. It's like, you're going to give to him. This is like, oh, dad would talk to his kids, right? No, you are going to do it. And when you do it, don't do it with a grieving heart. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. He says, you're going to do it. And don't be tempted to grieve because there is a multiplication and a blessing that comes from simply walking in the the principle of a generous heart. See, our natural mind after there's generosity is to grieve. I remember this as a, like a young Christian, like, oh, I want to give, I want to give. And so you're, you're disciplining like your habits and your mind and your schedule and you're like, okay, I got paid, I'm going to tithe, okay, somebody has need, I'm going to give. And, and you do it. And I remember the first time I gave to somebody uh, who's just in need and I gave them something that for me was kind of extravagant. 
and I've probably given away about four or five guitars in my life. And, and to me, when I get a guitar, it's like it's it's part of the family. And so when I give a guitar away, it's it's a symbolic thing for me. And uh, I remember the first time I gave one away. Oh my gosh, I was so sad. <laughs> I was like, I completely regretted it. I was like, that was a Rickenbacker, 1967, Maple Glow. Like, oh my, how could I do this, right? And and there was some grieving. Now, this is this is what I want you to see. Selfishness gets you, selfishness attacks your heart before you give. But once you give. Uh, grief attacks your heart after you give, if you're not careful. And it's just human nature. You plan and, uh, you know, you give or you plan to give, you want to give, you finally go ahead and do give, and then you feel something in your heart. Oh, what is that? Regret. Oh, my goodness. Can I, can I get that back? <laughs> the reason we grieve after we give is because we thought what we gave was ours. That's, that's why we grieve, like, oh, that was mine, and, I will, and, and that will bring me fulfillment. But this text tells us, no, no, when you give, everything your hand goes to touch, there's a multiplicate of blessing that goes with you now. So don't grieve what you gave as unto the Lord. Rejoice in it. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You thought you had stuff, Right? I thought I had stuff. I got the deed. I got the title. I got, you know, I got it. I got proof. It's mine. And then it's repeated in 1 Corinthians 10, 26. Everything is the Lord's. It's all his. We'll get back to that in a minute. But so when we give to God with an understanding that it's already his, we don't grieve that we don't have it anymore. So, so giving deals with a selfish heart, but giving also deals with a grieving heart. So don't resist giving just because you feel a little bit before and you feel a little bit after. Know that that's all that stuff coming to the surface so the Holy Spirit can work in you something that's pure. Because the Bible says if you can be entrusted with like the natural stuff, God can trust you with true riches. And I'm not talking about bank account riches. I'm talking about the stuff that's really, really important in life. And so giving deals with a grieving heart. Let's get to number three. Uh, and this helps us develop a generous heart. So we want to deal with the selfish heart. We want to deal with the grieving heart. But then we want to actively develop a generous heart. This is going beyond, okay, I, I, was, I felt selfish, but I gave it. I, I, I regretted it afterwards, but I got through it. And now you take a step into actually having a generous heart. Not just the absence of selfishness or the absence of grief, but now like an excitement and joy of generosity. And it says in verse 14, we'll just keep working our way through the passage. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give it to him. And, and I love this. It says, give liberally. And it says, flock, threshing floor, wine press, every avenue. Like, that's, that's all avenues. Give generously. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give begrudgingly. But give, really, like, out of the, the abundance of what you have, you're blessing others with it. Now, this word liberally in the Hebrew, it, it means to provide. It means to provide what is needed, but, but there's a word picture that comes with it. It literally means to adorn with a necklace. Like you're coming up and you're putting a necklace over the head of the person that you're blessing. 
And so it means to endow them with abundance and to mark them as part of you and you and what you have. Now think about that. That's an extravagance and a generosity beyond just, well, I escaped feeling selfish and I stopped regretting that I gave, but now I'm moving into an actual joy and excitement to include others in the blessing. See, it says don't just do the bare minimum for this guy in year six. Like, open it up. Blow people away. Blow him away by giving it away. God says be generous, generous with what I've given you. Whatever you have, Whatever you have is what God has blessed you with. So, you know, if, if you have time, if you have talent, if you have treasures, you start, you start giving that. And I'm not even talking, I'm not talking about in the context of church. We'll get to that on Vision Day and on February 12th when we do our Heart for the House offering. We'll talk about how we all partner with the vision of the local church. But we're, we're talking about installing a heart of generosity and being like Jesus who so loved the world that he gave and surrendered his own life. So, so it's interesting. I, I guess you have to wonder, why do we have to be told this? And I think it's because generosity is something we learn. We learn generosity. We learn it. So whatever you have is, is God's, so we bless others with it. Because we're, we're born selfish, but I, I believe we are born again generous. I just believe that's part of our new nature. You know, I was born not with much in life, not just me personally, of course, we, we don't bring anything into this world, but my family and what we had and, and what we had going for us, we were, we were not, you know, well-resourced, uh, but it really wasn't, you know, we, I was still born selfish, you hear me? <laughs> and, but I'm born again generous, but I have to start, like, exploring that. I have to start acting in that. I have to start, you know, Malachi 3 says, God says, test me and try me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And I had to start learning how to be generous to learn to live in God's multiplicative blessing. So it's simply a step of like renewing our minds and choosing to discipline our resources to give. Right? It says give to people with no hope or expectation of return. And that's when you can get generous. Because you did it with no strings attached. So when it was no quid pro quo, you know, there was no exchange of goods. There was no services provided or expectations whispered. It was just generosity because I love Jesus. There's a few things in life. I'll say there's few things in life that bring as much joy as giving. You know, you pay for someone's meal. Right? You sponsor that person on a trip. There's people in our church who have given away cars. That's, I mean, there, there are few things that will bring you as much joy in that moment. And when you have kids, you, you definitely tap into this reality because Christmas is like, people are like, what do you want for Christmas? You're like, I, no, nothing. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm in the give the gift mode and I can't wait to see what my kids say. I can't, can't wait to see what they do. Like, I'm so excited to give you this gift. Why? Because there's a joy in generosity, and it's not just reserved for you and your familia, right? It's, re- it's, it's for the body of Christ. It's for the world at large, and it's certainly for the community of faith. It's a principle we learn. It's a holy habit that we choose to live. And as you practice it and discover it, then you become addicted to it. Like you can't, you can't stop it. All of a sudden, you're addicted to giving stuff away, and that's my mom. My mom is just like... I, I, uh, 
well, I won't get into the story, but she's, she's constantly giving, giving it away. So giving deals with a selfish heart. Giving deals with a grieving heart. But giving develops a generous heart. And let's hit number four. Giving develops a grateful heart. And uh, this, this is verse 15 of chapter 15 in Deuteronomy. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. God's just giving perspective right now. Right, they're, uh, they're complaining. I can't believe I gotta, it's year six. This guy waited till year six on purpose. I know he did. Like, this is, I'm not getting this back. And God goes, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me give you some perspective. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. You remember that? And the Lord redeemed you, provided for you. Here he is, he's blessed you. And so then he says this, verse 15, therefore, I command you this thing today. And I love it when God is clear. I love it when he doesn't tiptoe. And he says, this is the way of generosity. It's, it's something, I, I command you to be generous. And, and God presumes the right to say this because he says, everything you have, I gave to you. You have it because I gave it. Every now and again, I get a reminder. I know you get a reminder of all that God has given. Like how, how blessed we truly are. And you, and you and I, could, we could probably inventory all the things that are hard and all the things we wish were done that are yet undone and the things that were provided for that are, have yet to be provided. But man, the inventory of, of God's provision for our life is so much bigger Every now and again, we get an idea. And uh, as I looked through, you know, my own story, I guess we can, can we summon the musicians? Let, let's, let's conclude this. But I, I looked through my mother's book uh, last week, and I was reminded, um, as, as some of you might know my story, uh, my biological father was uh, abusive. Apparently, uh, there was a lot of criminal ties. Our family speaks of, you know, uh, mob and organized crime and stuff. Um, he was a drunk. He was a brawler. He was an angry guy. Um, he had a second family that he kept a secret in another city. And so he had two families going at the same time. And, and so it's my older brother, my older sister, myself, and my mom. My mom's a junior high dropout and uh, abandoned now, seven months pregnant for me. And she went to work raising th three children on her own, waiting tables and getting tips, raising three children like that. And um, she's my hero. She taught me how to be generous. And I watch her over the years. Man, she's just, she, man, she dealt with a selfish heart. You know what I mean? No more grieving heart. Generous and incredibly grateful. And as I just looked through, I just remembered, she gave me an envelope years ago. Um, and in it was a note from my biological father, who, who I had never met, I had never spoke to. Um, only words I ever received from my father were in this envelope. I think it was three paragraphs. And, and I, a line jumped out of me. I'll never forget this line. It was, it was uh, sorry, I won't be around uh, to give you what you need. 
just really that's it and I read that line and I I was I instantly had one of those Holy Spirit breakthrough moments because I read it and I went he wasn't around but God was in fact God spared me a world of hurt because he wasn't around the, the fact that he left before I was born was better for me and God provided me a world of blessing that I can hardly believe. You know, when, when you remember that you came into this world with nothing and then made a mess out of anything that you did have, right? Anything that you could have claimed for yours. And, and I have memories of trailer parks where we lived. I have memories of, you know, the um, food stamp rations and the government cheese and the powdered foods. Um, I remember the, the poverty and the comparisons that you make with others that you're like, oh, someday, maybe, but just a dream. And, and a trip to McDonald's was this unthinkable thing. Like, oh my gosh, like my kids are, I mean, they're like, dad, is it Michelin rated? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Michelin rated? What's that mean? Guys want to get McDonald's? McDonald's, that's trash. Oh, oh, not for me. Growing up, see when when you remember some of those things, and and all of us, whether you were born into tremendous wealth or born into abject poverty, whether you had the perfect family, or whether you really were on a journey to to find your identity, you didn't have anything until you had Jesus. You didn't have anything until you had Jesus. We were all broke. We were all poor. We were all abandoned. We had nothing. It's, it's not that hard to give when you realize everything I have is because of him. What does it profit a man, the Bible says, if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? The only reason we can give like this is because of the generosity of God and how it's touched our hearts. Amen. It's a heart change, but it's also a holy habit. So can I pray for you? You know, I, I want to be a generous person, and I want all of us walking and leaning in and learning to live a life of multiplication, but I want our church to live that. I want our church to know what it is, to exponentially. You know, a word was spoken over Heather and I, man, almost 20 years ago. They said, what? They literally said this. A prophet came to us and said, what would you do if money was no longer an issue? He was saying that to us as pastors. What would you do if money was no longer an issue? Man, I hang on to that. I think, God, where would we go? And what would we do? And who would we reach? And what needs would we provide? And, and, and the journey and the destination and the generations that would be impacted because the vision that God has is to reach. His heart is for everyone to come to the knowledge of the saving grace and find Christ but many times there's a price tag for that. It costs to meet needs. It costs to reach people. So as a church, I want to be one of those churches that they're just like, they're giving away what? They're doing what? How are they? Yeah, God gets all the glory. So I want to pray for you right now. First of all, for a heart shift, every eye closed. Just pray for a heart shift.
you know, walk out of here and start practicing a holy habit. Pay, pay for that person's lunch. You know, give a generous tip. Give an older car away. Maybe give a different car away. Become involved with people's needs around you and watch the blessing of multiplication. God will take care of you as we take care of each other and we take care of his mission and we take care of his church. So, Father, we pray for a heart shift that we would be a generous people, Lord. Not selfish hearts, not grieving hearts, but generous hearts and grateful hearts, God, that we would begin to take this principle and turn it into a holy habit and a spiritual discipline, that we, we just begin to put it in action. And, God, we pray that you would highlight every response. And, Lord, that there would be a joy and generosity that begins to transform us to be more like you. And with every eye closed, one last group of people I want to pray for is, you know, we're hearing about all this, this topic of giving. You might say, oh man, here's the church talking about giving again. Well, the church really doesn't need your giving. God will take care of the church. But don't miss the greatest message and the greatest gift and the greatest act of generosity all today. It's for you. Hearing about giving, maybe it Maybe it's hard for you because you've never received the ultimate gift that God gave you. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short, and we're aware of it. Our conscience bears witness to it. We know we don't measure up. Half the time we come to church and we don't even know how God could stand to, to allow us to stand there and worship. and We go through the motions, but maybe... Maybe you haven't received the forgiveness that God offers in the cross through the death, resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's a free gift that he gives. And I want to pray a prayer right now to help you say yes and receive the gift that God offers you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to qualify for it. You just have to, by faith, reach out and take hold of the forgiveness of God. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm not going to call you out of your seat, and I'm not going to try to trick you into standing up or embarrass you, but I am going to pray a prayer over us as we close. Just a general prayer of dedication and surrender. Say, God, you can have my life. And God, I receive this gift of forgiveness, a fresh start, a clean conscience, a new life, and a multiplied blessing because of who God is in my life as a good father. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And maybe you've been trying to win it and earn it and work your way back to it. But the Bible says it's very clear. You just receive it right now on the count of three. Are you ready? Hands are already going up. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. Say, that's for me. That's for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got you. Thank you. Just wave at me. Say, include me in that prayer. Thank you. It might be the first time but it also might just be a recommitment because you know in your heart of hearts, you, you haven't been living in the blessing of God and you haven't been living in the, the gratitude of all that he's done for you. Today's a day to receive it. Anybody else over at our Dulles campus, online, this is for you. Maybe you're listening to a podcast right now. Where, wherever you are is a holy moment of breakthrough. You can put your hands down. Maybe those who didn't feel comfortable lifting your hands, you're going to pray this prayer, prayer with us just the same, nice and loud, all together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. So I give you all that I am, all that I hope to be, and all I used to be. I put it all in your hands. 
Now say this boldly, I am a Christian. By God's grace, I'm saved. It's his gift to me, and I receive it in faith. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, let's rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer.